1: All right, before I get to my next guest, Jane Geddes, I want to remind you about our friends over at the Ben Hogan Golf Equipment Company. Now, folks, if you haven't hit Ben Hogan irons since maybe the 80s or the 90s, do yourself a favor. They've got a demo iron program. You can go right on their website, benhogangolf.com. You can order a demo from whatever, you know, whatever one of their their uh, lines of irons you want, Fort Worth PTX, New PTX Pro or Edge Iron. They're going to send you a demo iron, and you go out on the range and compare it to whatever it is you've got, right? So their irons and everything that they make is absolutely spectacular. Irons and wedges handcrafted one at a time in their Fort Worth, uh, Texas factory. So they've got no mass production. There's no shortcuts going on. You can now order custom-made irons, wedges, and hybrids by going online to their site. Again, com, and they're going to build those clubs to your specifications. And best of all, they're going to charge you a fraction of the typical retail price. So go online, check out their complete line of forged irons and wedges, their utility irons, their hybrids, their bag, their accessories, their new GS-53 driver and fairway woods, which are absolutely outstanding as well. And go online and get yourself one and and check it out and compare it to what you got. I'm telling you, you're going to love it. BenHoganGolf.com. All right, now joining me here on the French Lick Resort guest line is LPGA legend Jane Geddes. Jane is from Somerville, South Carolina, played her college golf at Florida State helped them win the 1981 National Championship. She was inducted into their Hall of Fame back in 1988. She joined the LPGA Tour in 83. She got her first career victory at a major at the 86 Women's U.S. Open. She backed it up with a win the very next week at the Boston Five Classic, becoming one of only four players in LPGA history to do that win, back-to-back weeks following the U.S. Open. She won the 1987 LPGA Championship. So you, you look at that. Back-to-back weeks again at the Women's Kemper Open. I'm um, uh, unbelievable that these two back-to-back wins happen. In all, she won 11 times, 52 top-10 finishes as well. She's out there on the LPGA Legends Tour now. She's working with the LPGA and the amateurs there. It's the list goes on and on, folks. She's an amazing woman, and I'm absolutely thrilled. She's with me tonight here on Next on the Tee. Good evening, Jane. Thank you for joining me.
2: Uh, th- wow! Thank you, Chris. I'm I'm thrilled to be here, and I. Um, thank you for that really really nice introduction. I, it, some of it seems like another lifetime, but I, I truly appreciate it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate you. So Jane, so like I say there's so many amazing things about you and your career. I, I, but I tell you what, the first thing that struck me was I was kind of doing the research in, into your background. I read that you didn't start playing golf until you were 16, and then a couple years later, you're you're on a national championship team at Florida State. Is that accurate?
2: And that's accurate. It's a little crazy. You know, I'm, um, I, I had a, uh, sort of a fast track into the game and, um, I, I grew up on Long Island and none of my family played golf and, and, uh, my dad got transferred down to South Carolina outside of Charleston and Somerville. And, uh, I, I was, I, I was a little bit miserable being there. I was, you know, 15 years old. I, I, I'd only known Long Island. I had a very Long Island accent, and I get thrown into, you know, um, the the kind of deep South. Um, and so it was a bit of a culture shock for me. And my parents were trying to figure out what are they gonna do with me. I, you know, I played every sport, and I was I was athletic, and and I and I, you know, loved to play softball and volleyball and all different kinds of things. And uh, my mom read an article in the uh, Charleston um, Post Courier about Beth Daniel and her teacher, Derek Hardy. Beth had just won her second U.S. amateur at that time. And there was an article about them. And my mom said to me, do you want to maybe, like, play golf? And I was like, no, I hate golf. I didn't know, like, what? And so very, very long story short, my mom did not listen to me, um, set up a lesson with Derek. And um, kind of the rest is history. And so it was it was, you know, the right time, the right place the right teacher um and basically Derek said to my mom um, if you bring Jane back to see me um you know I won't charge you and I'll and I'll teach her and that that was one of those things you know it's kind of that moment in time um that you, you know I I believe as I look at my life and I and I look at you know how my life has sort of transformed all different ways I I you know I tend to believe in fate and that was one of those times that um, Derek came in my life at the right time. And so I, you know, I only knew, i never swung golf club, club, club in my life. So I only knew one way. So how I swing now is how I was taught by Derek when I was, you know, at, during my first lesson. So it's, a, it's kind of a unique thing, but I, I feel very fortunate.
1: And, and that, you know, Jane, that's, that's so amazing because for, for most of us, it takes us 10 years just to get bad at golf. And here you are, a couple of years in, and you're winning a national championship at Florida State. One of the things that that I find in talking to you know some of your peers is that playing other sports, and you mentioned what a great athlete you were, and in, in playing a, a variety of different sports. Did playing those other sports help golf come naturally to you, so that you could go out there and and pick it right up, and the next thing you know, it's history?
2: I I, I think so. I don't I don't know that anything i i I played with the exception of softball that that provided the hand eye um but it, certainly my uh my love of sports my family's love of sports um gave me that uh I don't know that that insight and, and kind of motivation that it was, it was the first time that I, I really played a, a sport that was not a team sport. So for me, it, it was very intriguing, you know, cause I was on my own and I was able to do something on my own and didn't have to depend on my team or didn't have to, you know, worry about what a coach said or anything. It was really up to me. And so I think, yeah, I mean, to answer your question, I think in a yes, I think being able to play a multitude of sports is helpful all the way around. I mean, I have kids and I, you know, I, I encourage them to play all different sports. I would love to them for them to play golf, but if they don't, you know, if it's not their thing, it's okay. I mean, at some point I, I, I I want them to learn and, and they are, and they'll be okay at it. But I think being able to play a multitude of sports teaches you all different life lessons along the way. And so um, you know, when I look at that and I look at what I what I did throughout my life, I think it it sort of enhanced a lot of the things that I was able to do throughout my life doing all those different sports and not just golf.
1: And Gene, being there in South Carolina makes me wonder and I'm here in Atlanta. How how did how did uh, Florida State get you? How did all the S E. C. schools miss you? And you get to Florida uh, State. All,
2: well, I was um, I was really lucky that Florida State even took my call. So what happened to me was I've been playing golf about a year and a half, and I decided, wow, I think I want to go to school and play golf. So you can imagine, I'm, you know, I'm I'm a beginner, and so I start making phone calls to schools and um, and actually visited uh, UNC Chapel Hill and and spoke to the the coach Doc Gunnell, so you know who is a fabulous coach there, and she was sort of like. Oh, I'm so glad you came to visit me, honey, you know, kind of, you know, don't call us, we'll call you. And I loved Dot and she was, you know, very sweet, but I'm a person, I'm I'm a kid coming along that's shooting in the mid nineties. Right. And so I was fortunate that a school in North Carolina, North University of North Carolina, Charlotte had a sort of a little bit of a ragtag golf team. They allowed me to come there and play during my freshman year. The problem was after the first semester, They dropped the the golf team. We only had three players. You're supposed to have five. So they eliminated the golf program. So I find that out, you know, end of my first semester there. So I start calling schools. I figure out that, you know, I really need to um, be in the Sun Belt to play golf. So I know that I need to be, you know, down south and whatnot. So I start calling schools, uh, you know, in South Carolina, in Florida and whatnot. And Pretty much every school that I called, the reaction was "Thank you so much. You know, uh, we'll get back to you." Except for Florida State. So when I called Merlin Giles, the the coach of Florida State, he said, "Well, if you want to come down and try out for the team, you can try out for the team." So I I saw that that was that was the most positive reaction I had gotten. So I applied to Florida State, got in. Went down and tried out for the team. Practiced my butt off between that January and the, you know, August that I went down, and actually lowered my score. I would say ten or twelve shots, and was shooting sort of in the low 80s, high 70s. Went down and tried out for the team in Florida State and made it. Um, and then, uh, you know, I was very. We we were a bit of a um, a sort of interesting team there where we had a bunch of players from Canada and all different. We weren't sort of the usual college team where it was the junior players from the U S. Um, and then um, lo and behold, my junior year there, we won the national championship and it was, um, it was just, I, you know, again, that fate thing that, you know, this happens in my life and I end up here and I have this amazing experience. Um, that was, you know, sort of, one of the the first kind of moments for me that I said, wow, that was just amazing. Like, how did that even
1: happen? So just crazy. One of the many remarkable things about your time there, and, that, and that I read I think it was your sophomore year, you and Lisa Young fired opening round seventies at the lady Gator tournament to set the tournament record. You ended up finishing fifth that week, but it was clear, like, you know, from the moment, I mean, you're on the big stage there. I mean, you're playing against the Gators and and all these big schools. You weren't intimidated. You didn't appear intimidated a bit. How did, how did you deal with suddenly doing that? You
2: know what? I didn't even know. I didn't even, I, I was so, I was still new to the sport, you know, and it was, for me, it was um you know i I didn't grow up in it I didn't have this sort of junior pressure i it was for me I was in college and I was you know I was trying to do the best that I could do and honestly I you know when i when I when I started at florida state um i I did not have this this grand plan to turn pro at all I was you know it was a way for me to i i ended up getting a scholarship I earned a scholarship at Florida State and so it was in way for me to get through college. And so until, you know, sort of um, I would say after the, you know, we won the national championship, did I even start thinking about like, this is something that I really want to do. And maybe there's an opportunity for me um, professionally, but for me, it was just kind of an ins to a mean, which is, is kind of funny, but in, you know, again, when you're playing sports and all you want to do is the best you can do. Right. And so you know, I I was that's that's what I was trying to do every week, and and I go back a little bit as well, back to my original sort of the origin was being able to be t- be taught by an amazing professional, Derek Hardy taught that Daniel, and 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 I was very fortunate to get in. Um, and, and be on his roster as well. And he was an amazing teacher for me in particular. He was, um, sort of the right recipe for me and, and my, and how I learned the game and, and how I sort of in, you know, my intake of information. So I feel very fortunate that I had that sort of fast track, um, in a very, very simple, simple, um, uh, uh, program that he created for me to learn the the game of golf and it really gave me the ability to really fast track my game. And, and, you know, I I feel very fortunate because of that.
1: And not only did you help win the the national championship there in 81, you won a golf tournament. You won the 81 South Florida Invitational. What do you remember about your first college victory? At the claw, at the, at the claw at
2: University of Florida. I mean, you know, it's, I mean, I can remember a few holes. It was one of those where, again, you know, I'm I'm in this situation where this is all new. You know, I'm not a junior golfer that has won tournaments. i would never won a golf tournament in my life until I won that event. And so it's. I went through this period of time from the time I started playing until, honestly, to when I won the U.S. Open, that almost everything I was doing was, like, new. You know, I was I I was just doing my best. It was like I'm like a hamster on a wheel, and I'm you know I'm playing the best I can play, and I'm doing the best I can play, and oh oh my gosh, I won! You know, I mean honestly, that that was until I knew better, which was sort of after the U.S. Open and when reality really like um like struck. I was just doing my thing. I was I was trying to get through college. I was trying to you know it was cool. I was playing well. And then, you know, I went on to the mini tour and trying to do the best I can do there and make some money and whatever. But it was always kind of trying to get to the next spot that I sort of happened into, you know, good situations as kind of, it happens sometimes in golf, right? Sometimes when you least expect it, you're playing really well and there you are. Um, And so that happened to happen, you know, like you said, at at the, um, at that, at that tournament at USF.
1: So you win that tournament, you win a national championship, you fast-forward a few years, your first victory on the LPGA Tour, as you mentioned a moment ago, is the U.S. Open. I mean, that's a heck yeah. of a way to get your first win on the LPGA right. Tour. Talk, and it, and you crazy. did it in a playoff, oh, by the way, and, uh, and, and came yeah. back. As I was kind of watching, looking through that round, you were actually down yeah. three strokes at one point on the front yeah. nine, and you come oh. all the way back to win. Talk about that.
2: Yeah, it was crazy. You know, I went into that week. It was really interesting. I I had a really, really, really bad week the week before that open went home, um, kind of videoed my swing, which was a big deal back then because I had to have a camera to do it. I did it in my front yard of my house. No lie. I had a camera and and I wanted to take a look at my swing. And what I realized then was, yeah, I'm not swinging it. I'm not swinging it that bad. Like, why am I playing so bad? Um, Derek had committed to coming to the open that, that week. And so he was there early in the week and um, stood in the range with me on Tuesday and said, you're swinging at it great, like I, I just remember him saying that. And, um, and I was, I was hitting it. I, I couldn't hit it any better. Um, and so I started off the week with this just really good sense of, uh, um, you know, of my game and, and where I was going. But it was only my second U.S. Open, and, and, and you know, if you anybody that knows what happened is at the NCR Club in Dayton that year, we had, you know, all kinds of things happen. We had an earthquake. We had a train crash. Um, we had a, a plane crash. We had uh, all storms we had. It was a crazy, crazy week. So it wasn't a normal tournament week. Um, and maybe that was helpful because, in the end, it was extremely disruptive to anyone that would have been sort of, really, really focused on that week or whatnot. And I was, you know, clearly I was focused, but you know, I got in a situation during the last round where I, I was able to um, tie for the lead with Sally Little. And um it was, it was interesting because I went out on Monday and um, you know, ignorance is bliss, you know, and I, um I I'm not a big practicer or warmer upper, you know, and so I was feeling good about my swing. I went out on the, drive range and hit a couple of balls and hit some putts, And I was at the first tee before they even had set the tees. And I was, I was actually sitting on my bag on the first tee when TJ boat the, um, the executive director of the uh, USGA then kind of came up on the tee. He looked at me like, are you crazy? What are you doing? You know, like <laughs> look at this kid, like, you know, what are you doing sitting here? And I just said, and he said, What are you, are you not warming up? I said, I'm, I'm warmed, I'm ready to go. And, and, you know, it was almost like he looked at me like I was absolutely crazy. But, you know, it was, it was, um, I don't know. Again, it's uh, sort of ignorance is bliss. And I went out and, and tried to play my best. And it was, uh, I played a great round. I remember being three downs a turn. I remember saying to my caddy, and my caddy saying to me, like, Let's bring it on the back side. Um and I was playing so well that or I was hitting the ball so well, which for me is the key, right? I'm not I'm not a great uh I've never been a great putter and never had a great short game, but for me my ball striking was key and I was hitting it really, really well. Um and I came out in the end and, and won the event. Um and and you know, it, when I look at it now, um I wish uh you know, it's something that – it was wonderful that it was my first tournament that I won. It's, like, amazing. Um, but I think I maybe would have appreciated it more if it was maybe a few years down the road. Um, and not that I don't – I mean, you know, I I'm, it's my greatest achievement. And as I say to everyone in golf, you know, for me, anything that I do in golf now is the cherry on top because I've won the U.S. Open. And so I've I've sort of, you know, said that my whole career. So everything else – Beyond that, I had a, I had a, a career that I'm very, very proud of, um, but that was that, that thing that, you know, that, that moment that, uh, you know, most every golfer that plays um, would give anything to be able to experience, and I was able to experience that. So I'm, I'm so grateful, and, um, and I look back on it, and I, I appreciate it. I appreciate it far more now. Than I I ever did. It seems like every year that goes by, I appreciate it more.
1: So, it, to that point, Jane, and you talk about that moment? You had a two-stroke lead on the last hole. Do you remember? I mean, what was what was it like? Two-stroke lead, last hole, U.S. Open. You, yeah. Were you in the moment? Do you What was that, that stroll had to be amazing.
2: I, I was then. I'll tell you what, I wasn't in the moment. I wasn't in the moment when I, or I was in the moment, but like a little bit out of my mind during the last round. So on the 16th hole of the last round, um, there was a scoreboard and um, I knew I was kind of near the lead, but I didn't know because I had not been in the lead at all. And I looked up at the scoreboard and I was in the lead. Or I was tied to the lead. I can't remember. All I know is my name was on top. And at the moment I was looking at the scoreboard, my caddy was busy getting the yardage and whatnot and and I looked back at him, and he was, you know, it was my turn to hit. And he said, you know, you have 160 to the front. You have seven more, you know, 167. He gives me the whole thing, blah, 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 a little pill, blah, blah, blah. And I look at him with an absolute blank look on my face. And I don't say anything. I don't attempt to get a club or anything. And he says to me, I gotcha." I, like, he had seen the scoreboard, and I was stunned. I mean, literally, pulled up my, I was a forearm. It kind of took my forearm in my bag and hit my forearm and he guided me in the rest of the way, except for the 18th tee where for me, I had stood on the driving range and I know that there you know, so many golfers out there that, you know, especially aspiring, you know, players that stay on the drive range and say, this drive is for the US Open. I'm leading. And I got to hit this drive right down the middle and I stood in the 18th tee that day. And I'll never forget that I thought I've hit this drive a million times. And I, I hit it right down the middle of the fairway, you know, and, and went ahead and part that hole and got into the playoff. But, um, I, I was, I was way better in the playoff as far as just being present and, and knowing because in the end for me, it, I was, um, it was, wow, if I win, that's awesome. But if I don't, it's still kind of awesome, you know? I mean, so I was on I was on a bit of a high, you know? I mean, it was my first tournament. i in this situation. And, you know, I don't even know what to expect. So I was, you know, I was just playing my butt off to try to figure out who was going to win in the end, you know? Um, and I know for Sally, it was, Sally was sort of in the twilight of her career. And, and And I know that it was, you know, it was something that for her – would have really been sort of the, you know, the cherry on top of her career. And I knew that, so I was gonna be the spoiler, you know, so kinda of going in as the spoiler, you have a little different view of things than if it's something that you so, so, so are, you know, want and you know this might be your last moment. You know, I was in the beginning of my career, so, you know, silly me is thinking, Oh, if I don't win now, I'll win some other time, you know? I mean crazy. Crazy <laughs> me right now saying that. Um, but that's yeah, you know, that's sort of that's what you think of when you're you know 26 years old and you
1: you know your life's in front of you. So, Jane, just a couple more before I let you go. And and the following year, you win the 87 LPGA Championship, and you and you did it you know, against Lori Rinker, somebody you played against when she was at Florida. So you guys must have had yeah. a tremendous battles over the years from college all the way through your LPGA careers. You also beat Rosie Jones and Betsy King. Talk about what you remember about the LPGA championship that following year.
2: Yeah, the LPGA championship the following year was interesting because I, you know, it was, um, I was now, I'd won a few tournaments and I think I was, I was probably number one on the money list then or something. It was, I was was rolling at that point. And um, what was interesting about that, and this is less about the golf but more about me and kind of a funny thing. So. When we went into that week, um, it was being played at Kings Island, um, in Cincinnati, Ohio, a Jack Nicholas course. And it was a great golf course, but the setup that we had that year and some previous years, you know, the rough wasn't necessarily up and it was, you know, it, it was okay. It wasn't like, it wasn't like a super challenging major championship golf course in my eyes, right? And so, of course I'm hearing this not only from my eyes, but I'm hearing it in the locker room and Kathy Whitworth doesn't show up and she doesn't want to play because it's not you know, she doesn't feel like it's it's championship caliber. It was like kind of a funny situation going on in the locker room. So me, as you know, the person that now had a voice, um, I start talking about this early in the week and start talking about King's Island maybe not being a great test and everything. So you know, it was, that was really not, that was not really the right thing to be saying then. But again, I'm, you know, I'm a kid and I'm saying what's on my mind and I'm protecting the players and I'm, I think I'm saying the right thing. So I win the event and I come off, um, out of the tent and, um, I go to get a ride to the, uh, to the press room to go do my interviews and went out and John Lopheimer, the commissioner of the LBJ at that point was there to kind of meet me and I thought that was really funny and I said oh hi John so nice to be here you know whatever and he said you know what you don't need a ride will you walk with me and so we walked you know a couple hundred yards to the uh press tent and he put his arm around me and John by the way greatest guy and sort of a dad to all of us you know and um John said to me um I'm going to sit in on your press conference and um here's what I would like you to communicate to the tournament. you know like you have now or, you know, ripped the golf course ripped the sponsor and so I don't even know what I was saying but John gave me a completely new sort of dialogue to uh, sit down in the chair after I won and be a good winner and so and he was sitting in the back of the press room as I gave my press conference and I will never forget that and it was, um, it was probably one of the best lessons, um, I had ever learned. Uh, you know, when you're, you're going, uh, when you're inside the ropes and you're a player and you are looking at the tour and looking at tournaments from your perspective, uh, you unknowingly, um, are not necessarily appreciating what goes into putting that event on, the sponsors, the money the golf course, all of those things. And so I learned that lesson that day um, by John Lopheimer giving me all the right cues to say the right thing um, going to that press conference. And he wasn't trying to uh, tell me to say something um, that I didn't believe, but, you know, it was, it was a great learning moment for me to be able to um, communicate how I felt maybe just in a different way. Um, so that's, it's interesting because that's the one thing that I remember uh, about that event. In addition to it being a great win, and I um, I actually sort of topped the one iron across the water, um, I think, on the last hold. <laughs> I kind of skimmed it across the water uh, to get it on the green on part five. But, but um, in the end, it was about that, those last moments with me and John that I'll, I'll never, ever, ever forget. And it was something that I'll... You know, that I, I, from that moment on, I've carried on through the rest of my career, whether it was being golf or or business or anything else.
1: Jane, one more before I let you go. And and you were CEO of the Executive Women's Golf Association for a while, not all that long ago. The EWGA became a part of the LPGA. Update us on what you're doing now.
2: Yeah, thanks, Chris. I am – I'm actually – um I, I was really uh, fortunate to be able to be in that position to bring the EWJ to the LPJ and, and felt like that was a great move for the 13,000 women across the U.S. to be able to um, be associated with the LPJ, the greatest women's sports association, especially associated with golf in the world. Um, and um, as I kind of moved through that and, 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 and moved through that transition, um, I was asked to um, uh, take over the CEO role of the Legends Tour, which are the LPGA, the former LTJ or uh, former LTGA players, um, that are, you know, from my era, um, all of my friends and peers that I played with, um, to kind of take a really close look at, you know, can we create a, a Legends Tour or Legends experiences out there where we can, um, you know, go out in those communities that, uh, you know, that, that Rochester, Youngstown, Corning, um you know Seattle uh you know Phoenix all those communities that we had such a great following um for players that some of the greatest names um in women's golf you know Nancy Lopez Meg Mallon, Beth Daniel Amy Alcott I can go down the list um you know all the 14 hall of famers that are members of our tour and so right now I, I I'm about 3 months in to to try to look to 2020 to um to sort of you know Try to get the word out there and say, you know, we're out here. Um, we're, we, might not play as well as we used to, but we play some pretty darn good golf. Um, and, um, and, and kind of looking to some of those communities, um, and, and areas that um, would really appreciate us coming back around and, and, and creating sort of a reunion of sorts. And so, um, I appreciate you giving me an opportunity to talk about that. It's, I'm passionate about that. I'm passionate because it's, um, it's my era. Those are my friends and, and my peers and, and people that I I believe really um really made the tour what it is today, along with the founders and along with the era that came before us. And so, um I'm you know, it's um exciting to be um to be representing them um in this capacity and um, you know, and I look forward to the future and and hoping, um, to visit some of the, you know, the people that are listening, you know, listening to your podcast and the great work that you do and, and, um, getting the word out there that, um, that we're out there and, and the LPJ legends, um, are out there and we're interested to in coming back and, and being a part of your communities again, um, maybe in a different capacity, but, um, we're all still around and, and certainly willing to play some golf with everyone.
1: Well, Jane, let our listeners know, how can they stay up to date with all the great things you're out there doing and, and follow the, the LPGA Legends Tour and keep track of everything that's going on, whether it's online or it's on social media?
2: Yeah, you know, I'm on, I'm on Twitter at, um, at Getty's LPGA, G-E-D-D-E-S, LPGA. Uh, the um has a fairly up-to-date um, schedule and um, has news about um, who we are and where we're going. Um, Hopefully that will be enhanced as we kind of move forward here and look to 2020. Um, But, you know, i I think if, um, you know, again, social media, the website, the LPJ, LPJ LPJ.com to be able to follow the tour. I think you'll get a glimpse of us. I, 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 you know, I want to mention too how much we appreciate uh, French Lick and their um, commitment to hosting the senior LPJ championship that's coming up in a few weeks. At French Lake, it's, it's really our premier event, um, along with the U.S. Senior Women's Open that came on the schedule a couple, uh, you know, two years ago. And so we appreciate the support of, of, French Lake and all the folks there and, um, really look forward to going back there, um, this year and in the years to come and, and, and hopefully kind of grow our, you know, grow our tour base and grow our tournament base. And so, um, like I said, the people that have seen us in the past can see us again.
1: Well, Jane, it's been a huge thrill having you as part of the show. So many other things I'd love to get your thoughts on. I hope you'll come back and join me again sometime. You're fantastic,
2: Chris. I would, I would love to, really. And as, as I kind of progress in what we're doing, I would, I would love to be able to come back and talk about, you know, the Legends Tour and, and the LPJ and how we're kind of um, forging a new path. And so, thank you so much for having me. I would, um, you know, happy to, to come back and talk anytime.
1: We have plenty to talk about. I, indeed we do. Thank you so much, Jane. All the best to you and your family. Hopefully we catch up again real soon. Awesome. Same to you, Chris. Thank you. See you, Jane. That's a great Jane Getty, folks. And i tell you, was that fun? Holy smokes, that was fun. Talking to her and listening to all the great things that, that she has done. And uh, hopefully we get an opportunity to get her back again real soon. The, the Legends Tour, as you guys know, is, uh, is very special to me. Our good friend, Cindy Miller, a huge part of that, uh, that tour as well. So looking forward to catching up with Jane. She's absolutely amazing.
0: This morning in North Carolina, wheels are spinning. Determination is winning. A passion is now a thriving business and it shows no signs of slowing down. How? The power of a conversation like the one Clint Spiegel had with First Horizon Bank about starting a bike wheel manufacturing facility in Asheville. Now it's not just talk, it's rubber meets road. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Clint. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. The fan is ready for brave season. Are you? 3-1, smoked high in the air, deep center field, and heading for the horizon. A home run by Olson.